0: What is going on everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Stoop Life Podcast. If today is your first time listening, I want to say welcome. My name is Bob and I am your host. Now today, today we're going to get right into it. UFC 285 is coming up this weekend and i gonna be frank with you guys. This is one of the best pay-per-view cards that the UFC has had in a long time. A long time, guys. I'm not just talking about because of the main event. I'm talking about the whole card. But we're not going to be talking about the whole card today. We're going to save that for our next podcast that we do on the UFC. Today, we're going to be talking about the return of the GOAT himself, Johnny Bones Jones. Now, I understand why some of you might not like the guy. You know, he had some previous arrests, some uh, boneheaded, Absolutely terrible decisions that he has done. And I get that. But if you do not think this guy is the best fighter in the UFC, I you're just a hater. You know, I I really have no other way to put it. We could talk about his fail test, but hey, there's been other guys that have fail tests that y'all don't talk about. Silva. Anderson Silva has failed a test. Nobody bashes him. So if you're not going to bash Anderson Silva, who is also one of the GOATs of the MMA world, then don't bash Jon Jones because we're going to talk about that a little bit today. We're going to talk about Jon Jones. It's funny. He has not fought in about three years. The last time he did that, he came back against Ovin St. Prue. He didn't look that good, but he still won the fight. I don't think we're going to get that Jon Jones this time. He's moving up to heavyweight, which is a big jump for a guy like him who many have considered skinny. But now after seeing this post of him gaining the weight, y'all are calling him fat. Doesn't make any sense. Which one is he? We're going to find out. But he's 35 years old on his return. A lot of you guys are saying, hey, he's old. I find that absolutely funny. Um, For a guy that hasn't fought in three years, has been basically training for this moment. He's old, though, right? He's old. Hmm. You guys know that the the current UFC champion, Alex Perea, is 35? I I never once heard anybody call that guy old. He's 34 when he came into the UFC. I never once heard any of you guys say Alex is old. I get he's been active in the professional fights. But none of y'all ever said, that guy's old. What about my favorite fighter right now, Uh, Alexander Volkanovsky? He's been active. He's 34. Y'all still act like he's young. You still act like, oh, well, he's a young buck. He's 34 years old. Only a couple months older, younger than John Jones is right now. Aljamain Sterling. Bet y'all didn't know he was 34 years old. But he is 34 years old. About four months younger than John Jones is. He got a lot of injuries. Johnny Jones ain't have no injuries. He's been off. So you guys are still calling him old. I I don't really understand it. Um, he's really not that old. He's not. Um honestly, I didn't even write down how old Sarah Gain is in this fight, but I'm pretty sure he's 31 years old, 32 maybe. Um, uh, but he's been active, but not that active. You know, uh, it's crazy for you guys to say, John Jones is too fat. He's too small. Now he's too old. I mean, y'all just want to make excuses and things for why he's not going to win or why you don't like him. But at the end of the day, John Jones is unlike anybody we've ever seen in MMA. Whether you like him or not, when you look at his resume, when you look at the things that he has done, been crazy you know we're talking about a guy who hasn't fought for three years that's moving up in weight that is a all-time great not just some random guy that's coming back everyone wants to put this stuff called ring rust yet last event that happened i told y'all motherfuckers tatiana suarez was gonna come back and show no ring rust and dominate and what did she do if you don't know go back and look at what i said was gonna happen and then go look at what happened Second round submission, absolutely dominated. When you're that good, when you got a point to prove and a reminder to make, you put on a fucking show. And that's exactly what John Jones has coming into UFC 285 against Sarah Gane. He's got to, to remind you of who the fuck he is. He's got to remind you of why he's the best and to remind you that he's here. Now, it's not going to be an easy walk in the park. Don't act like I'm saying that at all. It's not. We're going to talk about that a little bit down the road. Cheryl Kane's a beast. But let's talk about John Jones for a second. You do realize that the youngest champion in the UFC right now is Brandon Moreno. He's 29 years old. At that time, my guy John Jones was 10-0 in title fights. He defended his belt nine times at that age. So that's what I mean when you say you got a guy that's been out for three years as quote unquote old, moving divisions. This guy's as experienced as they get. You're not just talking about a random fighter, we're talking about a guy that has 10 title fights at 29 years old, who is the youngest champion right now. He had 10 fights. Brandon Marino has three, he had nine defenses. If you combine all, the, all of the title defenses right now in the UFC, guess what you're looking at? You're looking at 12. Six of those are Valentina Shevchenko, and then you got two other fighters that have defended belts. Jon Jones, at that age, has had nine defenses. He's 26-1. and one. His only loss was to Matt Hamill, a 12-6 to 6 elbow, which if you go back and watch the film, it should not have been called. So technically, all you Khabib lovers, hey, he could be undefeated as well. So that just proves a point that records don't show how good they are. You got to look at how they got that loss or why they got that loss or how they got that win and who they came against. For those of you out there that don't think John Jones is the best fighter ever, here's why he is. He is 15-0 and 0 in title fights. Sorry, 15-0-1 in title fights. 14-0. in title fights in the UFC. One of them was overturned because he failed a steroid test against Daniel Cormier. But in those title fights, guys, 11 straight fighters he beat were Hall of Famers or going to be Hall of Famers. He beat eight former champions or future champions. He beat Shogun, Rampage, Leota Machida, Rashad Evans, Vitor Belfort, Chael Sonnen, Alexander Gustafsson. Glover Teixeira. He also beat a two-time division champ in Bellator and Ryan Bader and made him look like a bitch. You look at that resume that this guy has and give me, give me any, any resume of GSP, who I love. Anderson Silva, who is phenomenal. Even Jose Aldo and Khabib. Add them in there. Let me know if any of those guys have fought Anywhere relative to the close of competition that John Jones has fought, add them together, and tell me if they have. Has not? They haven't. This guy has beaten multiple champions, multiple two-time champions, DC Bader, that no no one else ever has, and he's done it. So let's talk about it a little bit as history. In 2015, UFC 182 against Daniel Cormier, he failed a drug test because he did some cocaine. Funny thing is, a lot of you guys bash him for that, yet y'all do that too. I know a lot of people that bash John Jones for doing cocaine, yet you do it too. It blows my mind. Yet, you can look at these other fighters in the UFC. There's a reason why not a single person in the UFC bashed John Jones for failing this test because Majority of them do this shit, too. They are, are adrenaline junkies. I mean, think about it. You're doing UFC. You're, you're out there to get punched in the face for a living. What the fuck do you think these guys do? Come on. So he failed a, he failed a test for, for cocaine. The thing about it was this. He failed, and then they retested him again before the fight, which was the second the second test, and he passed it which was before the fight. That's why they allowed the fight to happen, but the fight ended up being a unanimous decision for John over DC, but it got overturned. Um, but whatever, it is what it is. Like, he still beat him. He still beat him. Uh, cocaine, whatever. Half the, half the fighters, I think, if they, uh, if they get tested the same amount of times that John Jones did, they probably fail for that too. So I don't really find that a big deal. Do I think he should be doing cocaine? Probably not. No. But hey, uh, when you're that talented around a bunch of people that influence you in the wrong way, you'd be, you wouldn't be surprised how easy it is for them to influence you to do this type of shit. In 2016, he returned. He fought at UFC 197 against Ovin St. Preux, which was a lackluster performance. Um, I don't think he was very motivated in that fight, but he won the fight. Which led him to UFC 200, where he was supposed to fight Daniel Cormier again. UFC 200, he failed a pre screen drug test in that fight. And he had two substances in him. One of them was anti-estrogen. And they said it was Cialis. Which I, I think it was funny because uh, the steroid that he actually failed for, they proved that it was ingested unknowingly. Maybe maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. I don't know. Uh, I, I think it has something to do with his cocaine use. I actually think he was taking a steroid to help lower his weight. I actually think uh, to keep his muscle on while he was lowering his weight. I think he had a hard cut. But at the end of the day, the steroid that he failed for was so low in his system that he he barely even got a suspension. He got a one-year suspension, which they later proved that it wasn't even... A beneficiary in what happened, but the fight got called off because of it. Given the fact that he had his previous his previous incidents, and then in 2017 he came back. UFC 214, he knocked out Daniel Cormier with a head kick, but he failed that that test as well. He failed this test for traces of turnaball, which are uh, estrogen slash I don't know what the fuck it does, but. The trace that was found in his body was so low that it's not even illegal to have that anymore. So the USADA and the UFC, what they do, they have these different rules. And they change them all the time depending on what they they want to allow, what they don't want to allow. And the funny part is, if Jon Jones would have had this test now, nothing would have happened from it. So there's fighters out there right now that are doing the same stuff that are having the same things in their bloodstream that John Jones had for all three of these failed tests here. And nothing's happening to them because they changed the rule. So that's why when you look at these steroid tests for Jones, for Anderson Silva as well, and for other fighters that fail, you got to look at the steroid and the punishment that they get. What I mean is this. The suspension for this could have been a four-year suspension. It wasn't a four-year suspension because they proved the fact that the steroid turnable did not affect his performance enough. And there wasn't enough in the system to even really come down harsh on him. So they, they limited that four-year suspension to 18 months. And he was back in a year. He came back and he ended up beating, you know, all the bunch of bums, bad fights. He beat uh, Smith, Santos, Gustafsson, Reyes. But, you know, they are what they are. And then on the other side, someone like Anderson Silva who failed a test. That's why I don't bash Anderson Silva either. He actually failed a test for something that he got flagged for four years prior to when he got flagged for it. So he was taking a steroid that he took four years ago that was allowed... That he never got flagged for, and then four years later he continued to take that steroid and failed for it, even though he knew it was going to fail it. Someone like T.J. Dillashaw, two years right away. Why? Because he took something that couldn't be sub- sub- couldn't be ingested through your water, your creatine supplements, whatever. He actually took a needle. So John Jones ever never actually took a needle substance in his body. He failed for stuff that if you take supplements, if you buy shit at GNC, you might have it in your system. So think about that. Just saying. Just saying. Now we can talk about the other stuff that John Jones does. 2012, DUI. 2015 which is the bad one, the hit and run, where he hit a pregnant lady, left the scene, came back. 2020, he had a gun in Vegas when he was drunk, got arrested. And then 2021, he had domestic arrest. We can sit here and talk about all the stuff that John Jones does outside. But at the end of the day, guys, he's not a quarterback in the NFL. You know, he's not, he's not your local chef. He's a UFC fighter. He beats the shit out of people for a living. What do you really expect his personality to, to be like? What do you really expect him to be like? I'm not saying any of this stuff's acceptable. I'm just saying that he beats people up for a living Obviously, he's not a, a normal thinking human being. Let's just put it that way. But now we got to talk about the fight. So that's enough of my rant of, of John Jones, why he's the goat, this and that, blah, blah, blah. Let's talk about the fight. We got 26 and one, John Jones, going up against 11 and one, Sarah Gaines. As we all know, Sarah Gaines only loss was to Francis Nagano. Francis put a whooping on him. No shame in that. Francis is a beast. The odds for this fight currently sit at John Jones is a favorite at minus 166. So, gain plus 130. For it to be by knockout, which would be interesting to see if John Jones can get a knockout here, but uh, I don't think it's going to happen. But plus 380 for Jones, plus 500 for gain. By submission, plus 700 for Jones, plus 1200 for gain. By decision, plus 180 for Jones. Plus three twenty for Suril gain. How crazy would that be if he, if uh, John Jones got a knockout? I'm just saying, how, how crazy would that be? I I really don't see it happening, but hey, plus three eighty lower odds in the submission. Uh, it's actually pretty crazy to see because if I before I was doing this and I was making my you know my estimates of what I thought was going to happen, I would have switched uh, submission to plus three eighty. And knockout to plus 700. So, just based off of looking at this. If I had to bet anything on Jones. I I honestly like that submission at plus 700. But that doesn't mean I think he's going to submit him. Guaranteed. Because, you know, Sermon Gaines is a guy that is very well rounded. He's a great fighter. Give me a second. We're going to bring up some stats here. Alright, so. Here we are. One second. One second. Boom. Here we go. Alright, so if we're looking at this screen here, if you guys are looking at it, we see the matchup between these guys. We got both guys six foot four, both guys about 265. John Jones still with the reach advantage at 84.5 to 81. Three three-inch reach advantage on the legs at 45 to 18. I think that's pretty interesting. Now, one thing I want to point out for the fight: if you look at the odds on the UFC website, and then you look at the odds I just said, they are changing dramatically, day-to-day. So, whatever you like on your guide, be able to show to get it in. Now, for this fight to go the distance, yes, it is minus 128. For it not to go the distance, is 100. The over-under, as you see on screen here, is four and a half. For it to go under, plus 110. For it to go over, is four and a half. Uh, I think it's going to be a war. I'm not comfortable taking a finish for either of these guys. Uh, I think if... If Jon Jones wins, he could win at a multitude of ways. Same thing goes for Serial Gain. If Serial Gain wins, he can win at a multitude of ways. But are you comfortable taking them? I'm really not. I really don't 100% know what to expect from this fight. But we're going to break it down again as we go by here. So Jon Jones, you know, his last five fights, he hasn't looked great at all. Has looked horrible against Smith, Santos, Gustafson, Reyes. Those four. Sorry, four. He hasn't looked great at all. And he recently came out and said that he hasn't looked great because he wasn't motivated. And I agree. I actually watched his fights and I said, you know what? He's still really fucking good. But you can clearly tell he was not motivated for these fights. His move up to heavyweight, he gotta be motivated. That doesn't mean he will be, though. But he had he should be. As for several Game. As you see on the stats here, 45% wins by knockout, 27% by submission, 27% by decision. As you see there, he does it all. Very, very versatile fighter. Very versatile. You see on his strikes here, lands 5.11 strikes per minute at a 59% clip, takes about 2.25. The interesting stat here is this. The difference between the strikes landed. John Jones is below him at 4.3, but he's right there with him with Landit at 2.2. I think that could come into factor. Could come into factor there. Uh, Both guys sitting at about 60% defensive rate, which is pretty phenomenal. The things I like about Cyril Gaynor are this. He has a Muay Thai base, and he's very good at boxing combos. He's very good at throwing kicks. Very similar to John Jones. He's good at keeping distance. Very similar to John Jones. He's also very good at the clinch. He's also very good at throwing combos. Very much like John Jones. I actually think this fight is a lot harder for John Jones than a Francis Nagano fight would have been. Now, this guy is very well-rounded. He does the same shit that John Jones does, as you see here. Striking, basically the same. But where's the difference? Where are we going to find the difference in this fight? The difference in it is grappling. The biggest difference, as you see here, Cyril Gaines' takedown offense is terrible. He don't want to take you to the ground anyway. Doesn't mean he can't be good at the ground because his submissions are phenomenal. He hits you on a variety of submissions, but he doesn't like to be on the ground. I don't think that 21 takedown accuracy is going to really matter when you got John Jones, who's number one in UFC history at 95% takedown defense. But John Jones' takedown accuracy is going to be a difference here at 44%, which is going to be a difference here. I think the one flaw in Searle Gaines' game that I think John Jones wants to exploit, one that he's been exploiting on social media by calling him out about it, is his willingness to clinch and his takedown on the ground. Searle Gain sometimes likes to be in the clinch too much. Against John Jones, you don't want to do that because if you allow John Jones to get a clinch, what happens? Spinning elbow, front knee to the head. John Jones finishes fights in the clinch. If you let John Jones get on the ground, he's so good on the ground, he knows how to do it that he's going to beat you. The key to this fight is going to be range. Who gets the range? If Searle Gain can come in and use the range and use those leg kicks and dominate, it might frustrate John Jones a lot. But is that going to happen? I don't know. We're going to see. My prediction for the fight, we're going to do even more of a breakdown on the next podcast. But to keep things close, to keep things simple here, my breakdown of the fight is that. Is John Jones going to show up motivated? Or is he going to show up like he did the last couple fights? I don't know. But I'm willing to bet the fact that a motivated John Jones doesn't lose to anybody, and I see John Jones coming motivated. I don't think Serial Gain has ever fought anybody even relatively close to what John Jones has. And if he makes one mistake, it's over. So, my bet for this fight I like John Jones by decision at plus 180. But I like the possibility of a John Jones submission, but I'm willing to bet submission and decision combo at plus 110. So put that in your books. That's going to be my pick. If you guys want to listen to the rest of our breakdown of the podcast, of this fight, listen to the next episode. It'll be labeled UFC 285 Breakdown and Predictions. It'll be coming up later. So tune into that, and we'll be back, guys. Later.